Doctor Who, Smoke and Mirrors. Performed by Janet Fielding. With Tim Beckman as Houdini. I'm just saying, I don't see the point of it, huffed the boy in the yellow tunic. It does all seem rather frivolous, agreed the girl in the red velvet trouser suit, and extremely loud. Sitting on a wooden animal going round and round in circles, said the boy, it's silly. The doctor winced. He had been leading the way across the bustling fairground between the swings and round stalls and the gaudily painted sideshow booths. Now he came to a halt and rounded on his two young friends. The point, he protested, is to have fun. Please tell me you can see that, Adric. Yes, sir? He snatched the Panama hat from his head, rolled it up and stuffed it into his pocket. Sometimes I wonder if I'm teaching you anything at all. The doctor's third companion had fallen behind the group. She was fending off a stooped figure in rumpled skirts and a shawl who wanted to read her palm. Tegan, back me up, implored the doctor as she approached him. This is your history after all. Tegan Javanka glowered at him. She was dressed in her work clothes, the lilac uniform of an Air Australia stewardess. You were meant to be taking me to Heathrow Airport she said pointedly, in 1981. The doctor sighed. Well, yes, but... You know he can't steer the TARDIS, offered Adric. So how come he can bring us to an Edwardian seaside funfair when it suits him? Ah, post-Edwardian, actually, the doctor mumbled. Around the turn of the 1920s, and if you must know, I followed a psionic beam here. You mean the TARDIS was summoned? asked Nissa. An old friend in need, confirmed the doctor. A friend with a very peculiar talent for finding trouble. I can show you the future, ma'am, if you cross my palm with silver. Houdini! exclaimed Tegan. She ignored the fortune teller still dogging her heels. She had noticed a poster one of many pasted to the fairground's high wooden perimeter fence. Staring out at the poster was the image of a man in his mid-forties. He had a high forehead, a sharp nose and powerful grey eyes. Nissa read from the poster. Nothing can hold him a prisoner. And it says... It says he's performing his famous underwater escape, cried Tegan. Right here, this weekend. I've never heard of him, complained Adric. Well, you wouldn't have, would you, said Tegan. You and Nyssa aren't from Earth. If you were... Begging your indulgence, ma'am, but the spirits have a message to impart to you. Look! I've told you I'm not interested in your spirits or any of that mumbo-jumbo. Can't you go and bother somebody else? You were saying? The doctor prompted. Tegan took a deep, calming breath. Houdini was the greatest escape artist who ever lived. Like the poster says, he could get out of anything. Ropes, handcuffs, straitjackets. Your aunt is proud of you, Tegan. She knows you always dreamt of travelling. She only wishes you could enjoy it more. Have him take you to see, I think she's saying, is it the Bay City Rollers? What did you say? For the first time, Tegan looked properly at the persistent fortune teller. From underneath the ragged shawl, a pair of powerful grey eyes stared back at her and twinkled in amusement. The doctor grinned. Allow me to introduce said old friend. Tegan, Adric, Nissa, meet Mr Harry Houdini. You've changed your face again, Doctor. Luckily, you and your entourage still stand out in a crowd. These days, I usually try to do the opposite. Ah, yes. That would explain the... 
The doctor waved a hand vaguely over Houdini's disguise. Then he glanced down at his own white cricketing outfit self-consciously. You think this stands out? Even here? We're attracting some attention. We should retire to my lodgings and I'll tell you why I brought you here. There's something strange going on at this fair, Doctor. Something I'm at a loss to explain. But it could threaten the world as we know it. Houdini was staying a few blocks away from the fairground. He led the way through a series of narrow, cobbled streets, slick and shiny from a recent rainfall. His rented parlour was hung with heavily patterned wallpaper. It was furnished with dark wooden armchairs and a claw-footed table. Houdini had certainly stamped his mark on the room. It was strewn with his clothing and carelessly discarded newspapers. He had folded the papers open at features about himself. What I want to know, said Tegan as she cleared a space to sit, is how come you knew my name and all that stuff about my aunt? Come on, Tegan. Isn't it obvious? Scoffed Adric. The name, I'm almost embarrassed to reveal, I overheard when the doctor called out to you at the fair. The rest, a combination of deduction and lucky guesswork. And the Bay City Rollers? The doctor cleared his throat. <coughs> uh, Harry here has met people from the future before. How is the delightful Miss Grant keeping, Doctor? You see, said Adric, everything has a rational explanation if you look for it. In this case, Tegan, you were taken in by a cheap conjuring trick. Nissa hissed across the room at him. Adric? No, no, no. The boy is right. For 30 years now, I have searched and never once found a medium who was anything other than a charlatan. You said something about a threat, the doctor prompted. But Houdini said there would be plenty of time to discuss that later. He excused himself and disappeared into a back room. When he returned, after less than half a minute, he had swapped his gypsy fortune teller skirts for a lounge suit and bow tie. He poured drinks for his four guests. Do you remember the Avids, Doctor? Ovids, the Doctor corrected him. I'm unlikely to forget them. Beings of pure thought. They travel from world to world in crystal spheres. Unfortunately, four of them became stranded in New York in the 1890s. What were the names of your two young friends that time? That would be Polly and Ben. The Ovids were giving form to people's nightmares. It wasn't their fault. They were frightened and trying to communicate. Harry helped us to trace them to an abandoned theatre. You opened my eyes, Doctor. You proved to me that there are more things on Earth than are dreamt of, without the need for recourse to spiritual realms. I've learned a lot from you too, averred the Doctor. The techniques you taught me have saved my life on more than one occasion. You've known each other a long time, asked Nyssa. Oh, the stories I can tell you, my dear. The adventures that the Doctor and I have shared. Mostly back when I was a younger man, of course, and he an older one. I would welcome the benefit of your wisdom now, Doctor. Tegan's eye was drawn to an open suitcase on the table. It was filled to overflowing with handcuffs, keys of various shapes and sizes, and lockpicks. Behind the table, an oval mahogany-framed mirror had been turned to face the wall. She wondered why. I have discovered a medium at the fair here, whose tricks I... I fear I may be losing my powers of observation. I seem unable to divine the woman's methods, as normally I would. Before I accept her claims to supernatural prowess, however, I would like to eliminate certain other possibilities. You think she might be using technology from another planet, the Doctor deduced. Or from the future, Tegan realised. As I forewarned you earlier, highly threatening possibilities. The fairground closes at sunset tonight. We shouldn't have any trouble getting past the night watchman. We can search the fortune teller's booth and see if my suspicions are justified. What do you say, Doctor? One more adventure? Night had drawn in and brought with it a chill mist. 
Tegan rubbed her arms vigorously as she tried to keep up with the others. She made a comment about the cold, and Nyssa, in step beside her, grinned. That's the Tegan I know. And what is that supposed to mean? Nyssa ribbed her friend gently. That's the first complaint I've heard from you all evening. If I didn't know you better, I'd swear you were almost beginning to enjoy yourself. I must admit, confessed Tegan, meeting an historical celebrity, it's kind of, well, neat. Just don't tell the doctor I said that. Your secret is safe with me, said Nyssa. Well, doctor, would you care to do the honours? In front of them, a gate was secured by a sturdy padlock. Through its slats, they could see the fair's small wooden ferris wheel silhouetted against the clear sky. The doctor inspected the lock by the glow of a nearby gaslight. I, uh, think perhaps you should see to this one, he suggested. Houdini raised an inquiring eyebrow in his direction. Abashed, the doctor confessed. I recently lost my sonic screwdriver. And what is the great doctor without the tools of his trade, huh? The doctor plunged his hands into his pockets and pushed out his lower lip. I didn't say I couldn't do it. And anyway, you're a fine one to talk, Adric piped up. You're using tools of your own, aren't you? A set of lockpicks had appeared in Houdini's hand, although no one had seen where they came from. He tinkered with the padlock for a few seconds, then stepped back with a grin and a flourish as it sprang open. It's like I always told you, Doctor. The key to any trick is... Is in the preparation. I haven't seen your blue cabinet. You haven't lost that too, I hope. No, no. The TARDIS is around and quite safe. The doctor sounded distracted. Is it just me? asked Tegan. Or does anyone else feel like we're being watched? It isn't only you, said Nyssa. I can feel it too. It started as soon as we came through the gate. They stopped walking and listened. The fairground looked very different by starlight. Every ride and every booth a dark alien shape in the corner of the eye. The damp earth had been churned into mud by thousands of pairs of feet, but the excited chattering of the crowd had faded with the day. A deathly silence ruled the night. And yet, said the doctor, there's no sign of any cards. Don't you think... Harry, don't you think that's odd? You're expecting the McWatchman, I recall. I never took you for someone to jump in shadows, Doctor. Look, the fortune teller's booth is right over there. I'm sure that's where we'll find our answers. Perhaps so, agreed the Doctor. He wasn't looking at Houdini, however. He turned on the spot and swept the fairground with a narrow-eyed gaze. The problem I've found with shadows is that occasionally they have teeth. Houdini wasn't listening to him. He had already started toward the booth he had indicated. The doctor grimaced and began to follow him, but thought again. He halted suddenly and wheeled to face his three companions, who almost stumbled into him. I, uh, think it might be best if, that is to say, maybe Harry and I should do this. Just the two of us. Or leaving us behind, protested Adric. You think it might be a trap? whispered Nyssa. Let's just say I'd feel happier with three pairs of eyes out here. Should any of you happen to see anything untoward, however small, I'm relying on you to shout out at the top of your voice. Tegan shivered. No worries. I think it's safe to say you can bet the farm on that. The fortune teller's booth was tiny. A round table and two chairs almost filled it. Can't be much larger than your blue cabinet, Doctor. But that carries what? Four of you now? Tell me more about this medium of yours, said the Doctor. He pulled back a frayed curtain to expose a set of cluttered, dusty bookshelves. What exactly was it about her act that made you... I'd rather you told me more about your new companions, Doctor. Miss Javenka, for example, was that an Antipodean accent I detected? Tegan comes from Brisbane in the early 1980s, 
And yes, Harry, she has heard of the great Houdini. She also knows better than to discuss your personal future. That is what you wanted to know? Houdini had crouched to reach under the table. He had found an old chest and had dragged it out into the open. He didn't look up, didn't meet the doctor's gaze, but his grey eyes seemed to darken for a moment. You can't blame a guy for trying. You show me glimpses of alien places, future times, but you keep so much more from me. Where did you leave your cabinet this time, Doctor? I, I searched the fairground. I hardly think this is the time to... began the Doctor. He stopped himself and continued in a more patient tone. We'll talk about this later, Harry. In more congenial surroundings. Found anything down there? Houdini was sorting through a trunk full of old scarves and scraps of colourful material. He shook his head in answer to the Doctor's question. Still... He kept his back to him, concentrating on the task before him. Always so curious about other people's secrets, and yet you guard your own so fiercely. Is it my imagination, asked Nyssa, or is there something odd about the Doctor's friend? Houdini, Tegan frowned. I don't know what you mean, odd how? I'm not sure. It's the way he keeps on questioning the Doctor, almost as if he's testing him. But no, the Doctor said the two of them went way back, said Tegan. Why wouldn't he trust him? Perhaps Houdini doesn't believe the Doctor is who he says he is, suggested Nyssa. After all, he has regenerated since the last time they met. An exclamation from Adric interrupted their musings. Yes, yes, I see it now. He had wandered over to one of the dark fairground rides, a giant wooden boat-shaped swing. It was labelled the steam yacht. The power is generated by a crude engine here, enthused Adric. It turns a crankshaft here, which drives the pulley up there, which in turn... Shh! Quiet, Adric, hissed Tegan. I thought I heard. What is it? asked Nyssa. It sounded like a creature or something. It was growling. And don't tell me I'm imagining things, Adric, because I'm not. You probably heard an animal, said Adric, from inside the menagerie. Menagerie? queried Nyssa. They have animals caged up in one of those trailers. It isn't far from here. We passed it when we came through. There was a sign. Is that true, Tegan? asked Nyssa. Not in my time, Tegan answered her defensively. But yeah, in the 1920s, I reckon. Well, most people back then, in England anyway, it was the only way they could get to see wild animals like lions and tigers. Wild animals? Nyssa looked at Tegan. The same thought had occurred to both of them at once. Tegan was the first to voice it. You don't think... How dangerous are these lions? And the other things you mentioned? asked Nyssa. Dangerous enough, said Tegan. More than dangerous enough if they aren't in their cages after all. I think I may have found what we're looking for. The doctor had turned his attention to the round table. It was draped with a red cloth which bulged in the middle. He teased back the cloth to reveal a transparent globe seated on a spider-shaped plinth. The medium's crystal ball? Don't you recognise it, Harry? You should. You saw another one just like it in a Manhattan theatre over 20 years ago. An Ovid sphere? How is that possible? I don't know. The doctor lowered himself into a chair, never taking his eyes off the alien artefact. But it proves I was right, huh? Madame Dribardi is a fraud, like all the others. It's attuned to Ovid thought patterns, of course, but even in the hands of a non-telepath. The doctor reached for the sphere. He braced himself as he placed his hands on it. He seemed relieved when nothing bad happened. He closed his eyes and breathed deeply. Another carnival huckster, preying on the bereaved. 
profiting from people's most desperate hopes and prayers, and offering only deceit in return. An image swam into focus inside the crystal sphere. Houdini craned closer over the doctor's shoulder. He made out two figures exploring a brick-built tunnel. He recognized himself with a fuller head of darker hair, dressed in a stage costume, a tuxedo with sleeves pushed up to the elbow. At his shoulder was a white-haired man with a crinkled face and a nose even more prominent than Houdini's own. They hadn't yet seen the monster that loomed over them from behind. Orange-green, its body studded with poisonous nodules. Doctor opened his eyes and the image faded. Could that thing... Is it possible that it could contact the spirit world, Doctor? Divine the future? The Doctor shook his head. Only the past. The Sphere is a collector of psychokinetic energy. Fully charged, it will reflect your thoughts, including your memories, back at you. It might even reveal the contents of your subconscious mind. Otherwise, I'm afraid... Houdini's shoulders slumped. I'm sorry, Harry, said the Doctor sympathetically. I know that isn't what you wanted to hear. I know how much you still miss her. Organ music? exclaimed Tegan. And look, said Adric. There's a light in the distance over there. You can see it through the roundabout. We were right, said Nyssa. There must be someone else here. We ought to tell the doctor and... Tegan, what is that thing? A striped cat-like creature had been prowling the shadows alongside them. As Nyssa had stepped forward, it had revealed itself by shying away from her. It hadn't gone far, though. It fixed the doctor's three companions with an appraising yellow-eyed glare, its whiskers twitching. That, said Tegan, is a tiger. Don't make any sudden moves, either of you. Back away from it slowly. And it won't attack us? asked Adric. Depends on how hungry it's feeling. No, Adric, don't! Tegan's warning came too late. Adric had made a break for it. He headed for a narrow gap between two stalls. The tiger roared and bounded after him. Remembering what the doctor had said earlier, Nyssa screamed out his name. Doctor! The doctor was already in motion. He leapt for the door of the fortune teller's booth. He found Houdini in his way, fumbling with the handle. The doctor remembered the crystal sphere. He turned and scooped it from its plinth. He let out a gasp of pain. As soon as he had touched the sphere this time, it had begun to burn fiercely. He tried to drop it, but found he couldn't. His hands were stuck to the sphere, as if by an electric charge. What's happening? What can I do? Doctor! A new face was forming in the crystal ball. A young, earnest-looking face with green eyes and a protruding chin. Houdini could see a pair of shoulders draped in tweed and a bow tie clinging to the stranger's throat. Nyssa! No, you mustn't! Tegan tugged on her friend's sleeve, holding her back. But we must do something, cried Nyssa. Adric knows what he's doing, insisted Tegan. Don't you see? He's leading the tiger away from us to buy us time to get to safety. I hope you're right, said Nyssa. But that thing was awfully fast. Adric will lose it, you'll see. And when he does, it'll come back here looking for us. Come on, this way. No, Tegan, wait, cried Nyssa. There's another one with spots this time instead of stripes. The whole of the menagerie must have been set loose. Leopard, breathed Tegan. It's a leopard and it's seen us. What was it you said earlier? Asked Nyssa. Back away from it slowly, don't make any sudden... Forget that, yelled Tegan. Run!
doctor sank back into his seat. He let the crystal sphere rest on the table. It wasn't hurting him any longer. Still, his hands remained clamped to each side of it. His teeth were clenched, his eyes screwed shut in concentration. The younger face inside the sphere was mirroring the doctor's expression, and the doctor could hear a young man's voice in his head. Number five! Oh, I remember being you. So young, so breathless with energy. Come to think of it, a bit grumpy too, a bit frowny, too worried about not being taken seriously. You're going to want to destroy the sphere. I need you to return it to its rightful owners instead. Trust me, you'll thank me later. I mean, literally, thank you. No time to explain. You have to go. He's already springing his trap. Oh no, forget I said that. Uh, spoilers. Forget I even mentioned the mask. Uh, uh, <laughs> One more thing. This is crucial. Make sure you don't leave the fair without purpose. Shoo! Shoo! Get away from me! Shoo! The tiger was faster than Adric had calculated it would be. For a second he had feared it might catch him. To his relief, however, he had reached his goal, the steam yacht ride, the one he had been examining earlier. Quickly, he scaled its wooden framework and dropped into the suspended boat. His pursuer sprang after him and thudded into the hole, scrabbling with its claws for purchase. The impact rocked the boat and knocked Adric off his feet. The tiger lost its grip and fell back to the ground. Adric picked himself up gingerly. He peered over the edge of the boat and saw the tiger crouched in the mud, glaring up at him balefully. Human beings share their world with these creatures? How do they survive? He fretted. He knew he wasn't safe yet. He stepped up onto the side of the boat. It was sheltered by a canvas canopy. He braced himself against a support hole. His foot slipped and Adric teetered on the brink of falling. The tiger below him tensed eagerly, but it was disappointed as the boy regained his balance. Adric felt for the edge of the canopy above him. He wasn't sure he could lift his body weight that far. He had never been the athletic kind, more comfortable with a pencil and a notebook. He had no choice. The tiger had grown tired of waiting for its prey. It had found the boarding steps around the side of the ride and had begun to climb them. Desperation lent Adric the strength he needed. The tiger leapt aboard the boat as Adric pulled himself up onto the roof and pulled his dangling legs up after him. He lay as flat as he could on his stomach, spreading his weight and praying that the canvas would hold him. He could hear the tiger thrashing about beneath him, making the boat shake. The canvas canopy was wet and slippery from the recent rain and Adric couldn't find a handhold. To his horror, he was sliding towards the edge. Nissa spun round at the sound of her friend's voice. I can't see you, Tegan. Where are you? The two women had become separated as they fled from the leopard. It had happened somewhere near the big steam-powered roundabout. Now Nissa was alone and lost in the dark. She hadn't dared call out for help. She didn't want to draw attention to herself. She imagined monsters. Earth animals with sharp claws and teeth lurking in every shadow. She heard their growls and every creak of settling wood. She had come to the side of one of the larger booths. A small door swung open. But Nyssa couldn't make out anything behind it. Only darkness. Was this where Tegan's voice had come from, she wondered? She couldn't tell. She approached the door with trepidation. She whirled around again. The wooden fairground wheel had started up in a dazzle of lights. This is definitely not how we had fun on Traken, she muttered nervously. Nyssa felt exposed out in the open, spotlighted. And without realising it, she backed up all the way to the sideshow booth and its open doorway. At least inside, she reasoned, she would be safe from the wandering beasts of the menagerie. 
somebody in here? Tegan? Nissa uh, couldn't see a thing. Groping blindly, she had stumbled into something and scraped her shin. She stooped and felt for the shape of the object. It was a bench. A long, narrow, wooden bench. She felt another one in front of it. That makes sense, she thought. The booth was laid out like a theatre, with audience seating. <laughs> she heard a sound. A low, malevolent chuckle. A man's voice. It seemed to come from right behind. And beside her. All around her. Who are you? What, what do you want from me? An electric lamp snapped on at one end of the room. In its harsh light, Nyssa saw a raised stage. A pair of scenery flats, a long table and a few chairs created the impression of a medieval banqueting hall. I wondered which of the doctor's whelps would be the first to step into my parlour. How fitting that it should be you, Nyssa of Traken. Nyssa knew that voice. She knew it only too well, and it chilled her to the depths of her soul. A blurry shape hovered over the stage. She couldn't tear her eyes away from it. Slowly it resolved itself into the image of a man. Black clad with a saturnine beard, his lips pursed into a smirk. I should say, formerly of the dead planet, Traken. Nissa gasped. No, no, it can't be you. We saw you die. You can't be here. The man laughed and his dark eyes flashed. Nyssa realised that she could see the lines of the banqueting hall set through him. He was insubstantial, a ghost. But a ghost that somehow held her in an unbreakable spell. Come to me, girl, said the ghost. Nyssa whimpered no. To her horror, her body betrayed her. She felt her legs jerking her towards the stage as if pulled by an invisible chain. You must come to me, Nyssa. You are unable to resist. My every wish is your command. My every will is your will. I am the master and you will obey me. Nyssa! The doctor jerked out of his trance and sat bolt upright in his chair. The crystal sphere went dark and rolled out of his hands along the table. What happened? How long was I? asked the doctor. A couple of minutes, maybe three. I don't know. I didn't know what to do. I was afraid to touch you in case... What are you doing? Where are you going? She called out for my help. The doctor bolted out of the fortune teller's booth. He took a dozen steps across the muddy ground outside, then faltered. Yeah, I heard that too. But doctor... She needed my help and I wasn't there and now they're gone. I left all three of them here and they're gone. When will I ever learn? I wish I could have done something, but you needed me too. You were under some kind of a spell. Your lips were moving and... Who is that guy in the bow tie? A doctor! The sphere! exclaimed the doctor. He started back towards the booth. Houdini made to do the same and they collided in the doorway. The doctor fixed his friend with a hooded stare. Houdini backed off and the doctor pushed his way past him into the booth. A moment later he returned, the Ovid sphere clutched tightly to his chest. The ferris wheel, he said, it was turning. You think they might be there, your friends? I think. The doctor frowned. He dropped into a crouch. He whipped a pair of half-moon glasses out of his pocket and a pen. He balanced the glasses on his nose and poked at the mud with the pen. Animal tracks, he said thoughtfully. Tiger, if I'm not mistaken. I don't see any blood, which is something. He bounced back to his feet and removed the glasses. He's already springing his trap, he muttered under his breath. Over his shoulder to Houdini, he said, I think the wheel is where somebody wants us to be, and that being the case, I say we go and explore this way. The doctor didn't manage to take two steps. 
He felt a sharp pain across the back of his head and suddenly he lost control of his muscles. The last thing he remembered was a galaxy exploding in front of his eyes as the ground came rushing up to meet him. group of people had gathered round the steam yacht ride. One of them, a lean man in a safari outfit with a whip, had brought the tiger to heel. Two others, boxers from the looks of their bare chests and muscular arms, rushed past him and clambered into the wooden boat. Adric tried to get away from them. Hanging from the boat's canopy, he kicked out, keeping the men at bay. He swung himself out over the ride and lunged for the scaffolding. He caught it with one hand but got no further. The boxers seized him by the legs. They dragged him kicking and protesting off the ride and down to where their colleagues waited. Tegan watched from behind the coconut shy, feeling helpless. She had thought about creating a diversion, but what if they had sent the tiger after her? It was too late now anyway. Even Adric had given up struggling. The boxers had him by the arms and had delivered him to a tall, moustachioed man in top hat and tails. The other fairground folk closed in around them. There were two young ladies in elaborate dresses, a white-faced clown and a dark-haired woman wearing so many necklaces and bangles that she clattered when she moved. I bet that's Madame Trabardi, thought Tegan. To its obvious resentment, the handler secured the tiger with a rope lead. The group moved away with their prisoner. It occurred to Tegan that none of them had spoken a word. She waited until they were almost out of sight, then made to follow them. Barely had she stepped out of hiding when she heard a voice behind her. Tegan, 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 Tegan whirled round in fright and almost laughed with relief. You scared me out of my wits. Where did you... Never mind that now. Whatever's going on here, it looks like they're all in on it. Everyone from the fair. They've got Adric. I'll go after them and see where they're taking him. You find the doctor and... Did you hear what I just said? What, what, why do you keep staring at me like that? Yes, sir? It's all right, Tegan. There's no danger here. Mrs. Posture was rigid, but her voice was eerily calm. She was standing in the shadow of another fairground booth and Tegan couldn't see her face. Come with me. Let me show you. Look, why don't I fetch the doctor? Tegan backed away from her friend nervously. Whatever you found out, I'm, I'm sure he'll want to see it too. You just... You wait here. I'll be back before you can say... Sorry, Tegan. I can't allow that. Lisa wasn't alone in the shadows. Emerging from behind her were two more fairground performers. They were dressed as cowboys and armed with rifles. Tegan swallowed, recalling that the fair had a shooting range. She raised her hands. The doctor surfaced from a bottomless darkness. He found himself staring up at the night sky. His skull throbbed. He tried to raise his hands to it, but they were manacled with the wrists behind his back. His ankles were bound too in heavy leg irons. His knees were bent, his neck and shoulders braced against the insides of a wooden packing crate. The doctor had neither the strength nor leverage to stand, and the effort only intensified the pain in his head and made him wince. A shadow blotted out the stars above him. The doctor blinked and brought a familiar face into focus. Harry! Thank goodness it's you. Where are we? How did you... Easy there now, old friend. One question at a time. He glimpsed a blur of movement over Houdini's shoulder. He could hear people busying themselves around the outside of the crate. The positions of the stars told him that he hadn't been out long, and the sound of lapping water was a clue to his current location. Oh, Harry, please tell me you didn't. A funny thing, friendship. I always thought it was about letting someone else into your life. Letting them see the good and the bad. It was you. It was you who knocked me out, wasn't it, and brought me here to the pier, if I'm not mistaken. Your famous 
underwater escape. You're due to perform it here tomorrow using this very crate, I suppose. Why, Harry? You know all my secrets, Doctor. You know more than I do about my life and death. But how much have you ever shared with me in return? You're angry with me because I won't show you inside the TARDIS? Is that what this is about? I met another old friend of yours. Apparently you were at school together. He opened my eyes to you. I can see the truth now, Doctor. You're just another fraud, after all, surrounding himself with smoke and mirrors. Then I'd say we have a great deal in common, rejoined the Doctor. Whatever it takes to keep your audience distracted. To keep them from ever seeing the real you behind the illusion. Even your name, your true name, you hold close to your hearts. And what about this chatty former friend of mine? I assume he has a name, hmm? Or do you simply address him as Master? Houdini's eyes narrowed and his nostrils flared. Enough to tell the Doctor that he had deduced correctly. Of course, it's the Master. The Doctor muttered through gritted teeth. It's always the Master. I don't think you've seen my latest trick, Doctor. My greatest trick. I have the crate, the crate you're in, nailed shut and tied with ropes. I have it weighted down and then, then the crate is pushed off the edge of the pier into the sea. An impossible trap to escape? Not quite, because I, and I alone, have escaped it. If you're half the man you lay claim to be, Doctor, you'll escape the trap too. I never lied to you, Harry, the Doctor stressed. I never claimed to be anything other than I was. I'm sorry if that wasn't enough for you. Houdini turned away from him and gestured to his unseen cohorts. He stepped out of the Doctor's limited field of vision. A moment later, the grimy faces of two fairground workers appeared in his place. The workers were manoeuvring a square piece of wood between them. They lowered it onto the top of the crate. You want to know why I keep secrets from you, Harry? The doctor yelled. Robert Houdin, that's the reason. Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin. His act inspired you to pursue a career in magic. You even named your stage persona after him. He disappointed you too, didn't he? He was wasting his breath. Even if Houdini could hear him, he wasn't listening. You destroyed your idol's reputation in print because he failed to carry the weight of your expectations. But who could ever live up to your expectations, Harry? The doctor rested his head against the inside of the crate with a groan. He kept on talking as much to fill the silence as anything. He didn't even have to hypnotise you, did he? The master knew I'd see it right away if he had. And how much more satisfying for him anyway to play on your... your ego and your paranoia. To whisper the lies you so dearly wanted to believe and turn an old friend against me. I can walk by myself, okay? The two cowboys were deaf to Tegan's protestations. They had hauled her as far as a rundown theatre booth, its facade decorated with lurid pictures of ghosts and goblins. Waiting there were the fairground folk that Tegan had seen earlier, along with their young prisoner. Tegan! Nissa! They got you too? groaned Adric. Nissa had kept pace with Tegan and her escorts walking stiffly, never once glancing sideways at her friend. She's in some kind of a trance, explained Tegan, like everyone else in this lousy, rotten place. The man in the top hat unlocked the booth and stepped aside with a sweeping gesture towards the open doorway. His colleagues dragged their two prisoners up a short flight of stairs and inside. Throughout, they maintained their eerie silence, as did Nissa. Tegan pleaded with her. Nissa, listen to me, please. I know what it's like to be under someone else's control, but you've got to resist. Fight back. 
Adric shook his head despairingly. Nissa's people were pacifists. She never learned how to fight. Their captors had brought the two of them to a halt behind six rows of wooden benches facing a raised stage. And then there were three. Delightful to see you again, young Adric. Miss Tegan Jovac. A shame the doctor couldn't be here to complete our reunion. But I hear he's a little tied up at the moment. Tegan and Adric gaped dumbly at the hovering black-clad apparition in front of them. They needed no introduction to an old enemy, of course. <laughs> oh, yes, I know, the master chuckled. Shouldn't I be dead? Well, perhaps I am dead. Did either of you think of that? Either way, I am the master, and you will... No! Tegan wrenched her arms free from her captor's grips. She clamped her hands to her ears. He's trying to hypnotise us too. Don't listen to him, Adric! Ghost show, muttered Adric. The signage outside announced a ghost show, which suggests... The ghostly image of the master threw back its head and laughed. <laughs> ah, bring them to me, he instructed. And the fairground folk seized their prisoners anew. Tegan and Adric struggled fiercely as they were dragged towards the stage. The master's eyes flashed eagerly and he came forward a step to meet them. He drifted through a solid dining chair as if it didn't exist. Tegan cried out desperately to Nyssa. Remember what the master did to your planet, to Traken, and to your father! Nyssa didn't answer her. Her expression was blank, but Tegan thought she detected just a twitch at the base of her eye. Adric was still muttering to himself. So if the angle of incidence must equal the angle of reflection... I don't care how reserved you are brought up to be, persisted Tegan. There has to be a part of you that hates the master for what he's put you through. I know I'll never forgive him for murdering Auntie Vanessa. Look at him, Nissa. The man you're taking orders from, he's standing right there, floating there, I mean, in your father's stolen body. My father. Nissa winced and threw her hands up to her head. Her actions were mirrored by the entranced fairground folk. And suddenly, Tegan and Adric were free. They exchanged an uncertain glance. Tegan's first thought was to run for the exit, but Nyssa was reeling in pain and she couldn't bring herself to leave her. I know where he is, cried Adric. And before Tegan could stop him, he had hopped onto the audience benches and was using them as stepping stones towards the front of the booth. Tegan looked at Nyssa. She looked at the fairground folk. They were already recovering their wits. She cast a final hopeless glance at the exit doors. Then she turned and clambered over the benches after Adric. I hope you know what you're doing, she grumbled. Don't you see? It's another trick, an illusion. A tall canvas partition stood in front of the stage. Tegan hadn't really looked at it, just assuming that it hid the supports. Adric slipped around the side of the partition out of her line of sight. A moment later, to Tegan's astonishment, he appeared on the stage. Or rather, Adric's ghost appeared, hovering, translucent, like the image of the master, but with an expression of bewilderment on his face. I don't understand. I know I got my sums right. He should be here. He should be standing right here. The master! He's behind you! Adric, look out! Adric whirled round. Where is he? I don't see him. I... The master, the ghost of the master, pounced on Adric from behind. He slipped an arm round his throat. With the other, he twisted the boy's arm up behind his back. Say goodbye to the corporeal world, boy. Now you're a ghost like me. What have I done? Houdini's muscles were stiff with cold and from kneeling on the splintering wooden slats of the pier. 
He stared over the side at the spot where his crate had been swallowed by the calm black water. What did that villain make me do? I'm sorry, Doctor. I never meant... Deep down, I, I think I honestly believed. At least I, I hoped. It had been at least ten minutes. Three times as long as even he could hold his breath. There was no point in waiting here any longer. No point in hoping. Houdini climbed painfully to his feet. He turned to face the looming silhouette of the fairground, backed by the lights of the city. Only now did he notice that his accomplices, the hypnotised workers, had abandoned him. Their task here done. He was completely alone. You are right about me, Doctor. I figure I... I just need to believe in something more. So when someone comes along who claims to be able to do the impossible... Not news to you, huh? You always did know all my secrets. You weren't the only one, either. I let the Master persuade me that you'd been lying to me all along. That the only way to get to the truth was to tear down another idol. <laughs> this made no sense. Adric was alone behind the canvas partition. Still, he could feel the Master's hold choking him. He could hear the Master's sinister chuckle in his ear. His mind raced. A powerful beam of light shone out from under the stage. Wrenching his gaze upwards, Adric saw a sheet of glass balanced on the edge of the stage, angled down towards him. From further back in the booth, it had been effectively invisible. He could see his own ghostly reflection in the glass, and one other. The illusion worked precisely as he had deduced it must. There was only one thing wrong. Adric, what are you doing back there? I thought... Tegan sized up the situation in two glances. With the first, she saw Adric thrashing about like a puppet on a string. Then she looked up at the glass and saw him in the master's grip. That... that isn't a reflection, is it? Somehow the master's actually inside the glass and is... Tegan cast around urgently. She found a chair. She picked it up and raised it over her head to throw it. Tegan! gasped Adric. She was going to smash the glass. But if she did... The truth was, he didn't know what would happen. He didn't understand the science they were dealing with. All Adric knew was that his reflection was in the glass too. He couldn't catch his breath, couldn't find his voice in time to shout a warning. With all the strength she could muster, Tegan threw the chair at the lamp underneath the stage. She caught it dead centre, knocking it off the tripod that had been supporting it. The lamp shattered, plunging Tegan and Adric into semi-darkness. Adric's image disappeared from the angled glass. The master howled in frustration as he was left holding nothing. The real Adric sagged to his knees with a gasp as the invisible grip on him was released. Tegan, that, that was brilliant. Well, you don't have to sound so surprised. Tegan rushed to Adric's side. She put her arm around his shoulders, supporting him. Now, come on, let's get out of here before... A group of fairground folk rounded the petition in front of them. They were led by one of the boxers and the man in the top hat. Tegan turned and propelled Adric in the opposite direction. They were cut off there, too, by the cowboys and the clown this time. They were surrounded. The master's image of the glass had recovered from the loss of his hostage. He straightened his back and his familiar smirk returned. You didn't think you could break my control of them so easily. Oh, but the two of you were always strong-willed, weren't you? I regret too much so for your own good. He turned his gaze upon the fairground cowboys still wielding their rifles. Kill them. Houdini turned up his jacket collar. He sank his hands into his pockets, turned and walked back up the pier, his shoulders slumped. He tried not to look back. He didn't get very far. He couldn't tell where the gunshots had come from, but he was sure that they augured nothing good. The night sky flashed red. A storm had blown up out of nowhere and lightning stabbed at the fairground ahead of him at its wooden wheel. 
A moment later, a second bolt struck the fairground too. Then a third and a fourth. Red bolts of lightning. Houdini's throat tightened. The red bolts, he realised, weren't striking from above. They emanated from somewhere within the fair itself, crackling off the huddled booths. Every hair on Houdini's body was standing on end. But worse still was the cold, sick feeling of guilt in his stomach. Whatever was happening, his own actions, his misguided alliance with the Master, had helped bring it about. He was responsible. His fingers touched a hard, round shape in his pocket. He pulled out the device that the Doctor had left him with so many years ago. Almost feverishly, he stabbed at the silver button inset into it. I don't know if the psionic beam can still reach you. I guess it would be kind of a miracle if it could. I just... I figure we need a miracle right now. The world needs you, Doctor. I need you. I... A blonde head broke the surface of the water. For a second, the Doctor's agonized face was visible, gasping, spluttering for a breath. But then he was dragged back under in a helpless flurry of thrashing limbs. Houdini stood gaping, hardly daring to believe his own eyes. He looked at the beam device in his hand. Then he cast it aside, kicked off his shoes and shrugged off his lounge suit jacket. He raced down the pier and as he reached its end, he pushed off with his trailing foot and dived eagerly into the freezing cold sea. three companions had bolted from the ghost show booth to find the fairground in the grip of what looked like an electrical storm. Red bolts of lightning were exploding apparently from the air itself wherever they looked. They saved our lives, said Tegan. That's what happened. Those men were going to shoot us, Adric and me. Nissa frowned. I don't remember. You managed to break the master's hold on you, said Adric. You came up behind the men with guns and you pushed one of them into the other as they fired. Look out! The bolt hit the ground in front of them. They recoiled and took shelter together against the side of the steam yacht ride. Mrs. short-term memory was a blur, but her friend's words had stirred something in the back of her mind. She saw a sheet of glass shattered by an off-course bullet. She heard the master's scream of horror in her head, lingering for a few seconds even after his image had exploded into a million tiny shards. It's no use trying to shelter from it, said Adric. Look, the energy discharges are passing through walls and roofs. And what happens if those energy discharges pass through us? Asked Tegan bleakly. I'd avoid that if you possibly can. The doctor's voice took the three of them by surprise. He breezed past them with a practice slope before any of them could react. Houdini appeared next, visibly out of breath and working harder to keep up, but staying on the doctor's heels. The hair and clothes of both men were wringing wet. Tegan, Adric and Nyssa exchanged nonplussed glances. Then, as one, they dashed after the two men. They caught up with them outside the fortune teller's booth, where the doctor was scanning the muddy ground as Houdini got his breath back. I was holding it here. The doctor muttered to himself, and then... Doctor, it's the master, began Nyssa. Yes, I know. Harry here has told me everything. He and the master were... The doctor jumped as a bolt of red energy stabbed through the fortune teller's booth beside him, just missing his left ear. Then he dropped to his hands and knees and peered under the booth. He must have seen something there because he plucked a stick out of the mud and fished under the booth with it. You don't understand, insisted Tegan. He was just a reflection in a piece of glass. I don't think the Master was ever really here. He's still trapped in the collapsing dimension in which we left him the last time we met. At some point in his travels, though, he must have picked up one of these. The Doctor had managed to hook something with a stick. A small crystal ball rolled out from underneath the booth. It was glowing a fiery shade of red. The Arvid Sphere. I must have dropped it here earlier, said the Doctor, when I... He glanced up at Houdini, who avoided his eye. Well, never mind that now. The important thing is, the Master used this sphere to project his consciousness to Earth into the fairground. 
You might even have been able to give himself physical form here over time. Until I broke that sheet of glass in the ghost show, said Nissan, and sparked off a powerful psychokinetic backlash, said the Doctor, which will keep on building, feeding off the mental energy of every creature on the planet until... Then what are you waiting for, Doctor? Destroy the sphere! Pained expression crossed the Doctor's face. I... I can't. What do you mean? cried Adric. You can't! And what was that you said about Houdini? demanded Tegan. He and the Master were what? That's the part of this you're focusing on right now? No wonder you knew so much about my aunt, stormed Tegan. Nissa was right about you all along. Stop, please, Dr. Cry. I must have... He realised that everyone else had fallen silent and lowered his voice. It may be possible to shut down the sphere, but I must have quiet. I need to be able to concentrate and think calming thoughts. He sat cross-legged in the mud beside the sphere. He reached out as if to cup it with both hands, but stopped shy of touching it. He closed his eyes. As his four friends watched with bated breath, the doctor inched his hands slowly, ever so frustratingly slowly, towards the sphere. And it seemed to the four of them that the energy storm began to ease off a little. It's working! Do you think so? said Tegan. Look at the doctor's face. Things hurting him, and it's getting steadily worse. He can't do this on his own, he needs help. Impulsively, she started forward. She lowered herself to her knees beside the doctor. She eyed the burning crystal sphere with apprehension. Tegan, I don't think you should, warned Nyssa. I can think calming thoughts, insisted Tegan. She glanced back at Adric and Nyssa, saw their skeptical expressions. I can she set her jaw determinedly and clamped her hands around the doctors. The first thing that happened was that the sphere flared even brighter, making the doctor wince. But then the angry red light in the crystal began to dim. Adric hurried forward next and placed his hands around Tegan's. Nyssa quickly followed suit and slowly the red light faded further and the force that had been keeping the doctor's hands at bay grew weaker until at last he was able to grab hold of the sphere and the final flickering embers of its light were extinguished. The doctor sat on the lip of the big roundabout. He held the Ovid sphere cradled in his lap and was staring thoughtfully into its milky depths. It had been a long night. Now the sun was rising again. Still here? You surprised me, Doctor. Usually you're in such an all-fired rush to leave. Houdini had helped the Doctor deal with the fairground workers, most of whom had no memory of the past 12 hours. He'd explained to them that they had been test subjects in a new act he was developing, and most of them had accepted the lie without a second thought. Not talking to me, huh? I can't honestly say I blame you. I guess you'd better have this thing back. He produced the psionic beam device from his pocket. He handed it to the doctor who accepted it without comment and handed something to Houdini in exchange. My lockpicks? Where on earth did you get... Oh, right, I see. On the doorstep of the fortune teller's booth, I assume. A collision was no accident. So. You suspected the truth about me even then. How did you think I got out of your trap? Asked the doctor in a studiedly neutral tone of voice. Your secret hatch in the side of the crate, your tools to unlock your handcuffs and your leg irons. I had a good teacher. The key to any trick is... In the preparation. I'm not ready to give up. Mom and I, we made a promise before she... Before... We swore we'd try the best we could to reach each other. Well, I guess you know that. I guess you already know how it turns out for us too. Whether we succeed or... And that's why... That's why I'm not going to ask you, Doctor. You were right, I reckon. Some secrets are best kept hidden. They were joined by the Doctor's companions. 
What about us, Doctor? Asked Nyssa. Where to next for us? We need to drop in on the Ovids, said the Doctor. Take their ball back. Plenty of time for that later, though. A lifetime or six, in fact. Tegan folded her arms and glared at him. Hang on, what about my job? Heathrow Airport, 1981? You promised. The doctor didn't rise to her bait. He bounded to his feet and pushed the Ovid Sphere into the surprised Adric's hands. Right now, there's something else I have to do. A request from, you could say, from my very oldest friend. He didn't quite get out the words, but I think I got the gist of what he was trying to tell me. The fairground workers were opening up their booths and stalls, preparing for the morning's trade. A short, stout man stood on the roundabout, tinkering with its giant steam engine. The doctor flashed him a thumbs-up signal and he nodded. He operated the controls as the doctor mounted one of the painted wooden horses. He jammed his Panama hat down firmly over his ears and grinned happily as the roundabout began to turn. What on earth is he doing? Asked Nyssa, open-mouthed. Tegan found her lips twitching in an involuntary grin. I think the doctor's having fun. Doctor Who, Smoke and Mirrors by Steve Lyons was performed by Janet Fielding with Tim Beckman as Houdini and is a Big Finish production for Audio Go.